We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Irish Breakdown Nation. Welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is post-game show time. I'm Brian Driscoll. That's Ryan Roberts. That's Vince Adario. That's Sean Davis. We got the whole gang with y'all tonight. Breaking down the Notre Dame victory over number 16 BYU. The Irish won 28-20. to 20. Guys, we're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about how a team that outgained, uh, how Notre Dame outgained BYU 496 to 280, but had to hang on by the skin of their teeth to win this game. But as we said during the week, fellas, the important thing was winning this game. You needed to beat number 16 BYU because the schedule sets up real favorably. There's a lot to clean up. There's a lot we're going to discuss as we get into the show. But the important thing is this team went on the road, came out of the bye week, went on the road, won the game. Let BYU get back in, but on both sides of the ball, when they needed to make plays down the stretch, they made them. The defense made a huge stop after struggling the second half. The offense had some big runs to put the game away and ice it. This was a good team victory and a game that we said all week, fellas, was a must win. So we'll have a lot to say, fellas, but at the end of the day, you just beat number 16 BYU 28-20 in the game. You really controlled almost the entire game. Yeah, and it was the first uh, ranked win for Coach Freeman, right? So it's obviously a big, big moment. We've talked about a season of firsts, and it got off to a rocky start, but now three straight victories, first ranked victory, playing in Vegas, Shamrock Series game. Like you said, Brian, there's a lot of good to take out of this one. Yeah, and I think I think what people lose because Notre Dame was favored in this game. Obviously, I think all I, I didn't look, but I'm guessing all four of us predicted that Notre Dame was going yeah. to win, and right. it just. For me personally, it just doesn't feel like they beat a ranked team, but they did. They beat the number right. 16 team in the country. That's a big deal. You know, I mean, considering where Notre Dame was a few weeks ago to where they are now, defeating the number 16 team in the country is a big deal. And I keep having to remind myself of that, that, hey, they just did something that was pretty good. You know what I mean? And so I think that might be part of the the issue with some of the Notre Dame fans out there. that They just beat a BYU team that they pretty much dominated from start to finish with a couple of exceptions here and there, but they were ranked. Notre Dame wasn't, and Notre Dame right. won that game. So 
I, I think that needs to be brought up and, and re-emphasized. Sure. You know what I mean? It's a big deal. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried trade coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about trade coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection, the rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. I think this game just shows that they are growing as a team. Um, A lot of talk this week about a lot of ancillary things. Certain guys getting run, getting ticked. Look, at the end of the day, it's like Marcus Freeman said in the postgame interview. The process needs to be in front of everything. Everything needs to be better. He needs to focus on making sure everything is better within the program. Michael Mayer did a, man, I thought was maybe too transparent after the game, talking about the lack of camaraderie in the locker room the first two weeks. I kind of, my eyes opened up wide when he said that, but you know, whatever they needed to solve, it's been solved and they're continuing to build. It's a good sign. You know, we might have wanted it to be pretty. If it, if you view this game as lipstick on a pig, then oh, well, it's, it's a W. 
Let's keep moving on and maybe right. the games can get prettier and we can end up with the, the prom queen by the time Clemson comes to town. Sean, I want to. That's a, a great segue to a point that I want to make because here's the reality: Will the the performance like today beat Clemson or USC? No, but here's why this game was so important because you don't play Clemson next week, you don't play USC the week after that. You've got three games between this and Clemson. This is the best team you're going to play between now and Clemson. Does that mean that there aren't teams between now and Clemson that can can knock you off if you play like you did against Marshall? Of course there are. But if you play like you did today, the next three teams will also catch L's, mm-hmm. right? And and the reality is, is you you had to get this win because, Ryan, as we discussed in our show yesterday, Sean, and I'm sure you guys talked about that this week as well, is you come out of this game with a win. I don't care if it's by a point or by 40, you're setting yourself up to go on a run. And those are the games you can kind of get right, mm-hmm. right? You can get right against Stanford. You can get right against UNLV. You can get right to a degree. No, let me rephrase that. You can get right against Stanford and UNLV and then get tested by Syracuse before you play Clemson because I do think yeah. Syracuse is a quality football team. And so you had to come out with a win. Is there stuff that's got to get cleaned up? Yes. I love that Coach Friedman said that after the game. Like you could tell he was saying, hey, let's enjoy the win, but. And that's really where you want your head coach to be, sure. right? Like, guys, good win, but. Because because that's the co- that's a comment, Sean, that's about the process not the result. And the process is, hey, guys, this wasn't who we can be, and our goal should always be to play the way we're capable of being. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing. So it, it was a game that they they still have issues finishing a little bit, although I will say they did put this – they did finish on defense and offense when they needed to, right? You would have liked to see maybe finish a little bit sooner. We'll get into some of that <laughs> stuff. But you needed the defense to step up and make a play late, and they had a huge fourth down stuff. In a, in a half where they were just getting ran on the entire yeah. half. When they needed to make a stop, they did. And they also had a huge stop early in the game on the third down, too. So, like, they showed some short area toughness. The offense then needed to put them away late. They did it. They were able to move the chains, put the game away, and earn the win. So, again, Notre Dame beats BYU 28-20. to Vince, you kind of talked about this a little bit. You know, Notre Dame had 496 yards to BYU's 280 Notre Dame passed for 262 yards. They rushed for 234 yards. I think that's a very misleading 234 yards, which we'll get to uh, here at the end, but it was a hard-earned 234 yards. BYU only passed for 120 yards, fellas. Rushed for 160. Uh, Notre Dame's third down offense was excellent in this game. They went 11 of 16. Uh, They held BYU to a three of nine on third down and uh, had 73 plays to BYU's 46. Notre Dame averaged 6.8 yards per play. Got the win, fellas, and that was the big thing. They needed a win, and they got the win. So let's talk a little offense, fellas. I'm going to kind of just kick it off with a little big big picture aspects of the offense. There were some things I liked, things I didn't like. We'll get into it. I thought this wasn't an incredibly well-called game, to be completely honest with you. There's some things I liked, and we'll get into some of those things. But I thought this game was more about just Notre Dame's dudes were better than BYU's dudes for the most part. And, and there's some mistakes that were made, but I, I, there were some head-scratching things in this game. But I thought this was the first time really against a quality opponent in a couple years, really in a few years, that the offense just came out and said, yeah, we're better than you and we're going to go make the plays. I mean, we've seen them do that against teams that aren't good, 
but they did that against a good team today, fellas. And I think that that is the one that's one of the several positives we we'll take out of this game before we kind of dive into some of the things that are a little bit more critical. Uh, I thought the player stepped up and and really I mean, just played hard. Jaden Thomas making a great play. Michael Mayer just making some exceptional plays. You know, Audric estimate whiffing on a block, then hopping up off the ground, getting free, and then Drew Pine shoves it to him and he runs for 13 yards. So about hey, you screwed up. So do you pout? And just look about, oh, man, I messed up. Or do you get up and go do something? He went up and did something and made a play. Uh, there was a lot of things like that from today's game, fellas, fellas, that I thought was a really positive takeaway when you look at it from an offensive standpoint. I, I think it's exemplified best, to your point, Brian, that, I mean, the game was pretty much kind of emphasized, at least in the passing game, around Michael Mayer, right, and getting him the football, even when you knew Michael Mayer was going to get the football, right? Like they knew – that their player was better, Notre Dame's player was better than whoever on BYU was covering him, right? So I agree with you. I mean, it was, you could tell the stars for Notre Dame offensively came to play for the most part, right? And those guys were the, the key in the in the victory. But I, I I think that you saw that there was a much, there was a difference in athleticism on the field from Notre Dame's offense compared to BYU's defense. Sean, I want to talk about the run game here real quick because this was a very frustrating aspect of the game for me. Again, the success came from Notre Dame just leaned on BYU. They were better than BYU. I mean, the 46-yard run late in the game by Estime was just – I mean, they, they basically stuffed it. They just couldn't bring him down, and he breaks off. It wasn't like it was an incredibly well-executed play that, that allowed them to put the game away. I was puzzled by it because when you watch BYU play, you, here's what you notice about BYU. Number one, they're pretty big and physical in the box. Number two, they're not real fast, laterally fast. And what we've seen from teams is a lot of teams will will beat them on the perimeter, off you know outside zone, mid zone, stretch, jets, off tackle stuff, and then hit, then come back with the inside stuff. Notre Dame chose to come out, run a bunch of two tight end stuff, and run right at BYU size, yeah. and it really limited their success in a lot of instances. So, that, Sean, that was something that really puzzled me. After two weeks and watching BYU play five games, that's what you came away with? You're going to run power and duo in the first quarter when that has been, like, not what's worked for you this year? Yeah, then also, you know, when you try to run outside, you, you don't recognize that they're out-leveraging you and putting people numbers to the field to stop you from running outside because you've been watching film on them the previous three games. BYU still doesn't good, do a good job setting the edge. And we knew that going into the game. What was the one thing we said in short they were really good at in the games they played, even the game they lost? Right. If you run in short yardage, if you run straight ahead, they're really good. And Sean, they stopped Utah State on almost every third and fourth and short in that game. It was, you know, I mean. And it's like, what does Notre Dame do? They get down in the red zone, third and short, fourth and short. We're going to run the ball just straight ahead. Right. Look, this is a great thing because I was bored. I was bored. <laughs> and what that means is I expected Notre Dame to be much better. Yep. They were much better. They controlled the game. They got the W. Right. And it's like, okay, let's 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 move on. It, it reminded me of watching Lou Holtz games when you knew they were about to Last Air Force, and they had a couple of turnovers and some penalties, and they didn't end up putting up as many points as they should have. It was kind of like in that area. 
yes. You know, we know we can point out the negative things, but I'm going to tell you what. It feels so much better. It's so far away from Marshall. It's so, it's, yes. it's so yes. far away from Marshall. Sean, if they would have played like this against Marshall, they'd have won oh. by three touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. Yes. So I, my level of thankfulness right now as a fan is like, thank you. Thank you. This is just fine. I'll I'll take boring boring wins for the rest of the month. Mm-hmm. Thank you. No, 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 not the rest. Hey. I'll take it today. I'll take it today. <laughs> I can't go look, with you the next two weeks. Look, look, we'll get into it. Yeah, I don't have much faith because of certain things, but I hey. completely. And uh, here's some of those things, Vince. I want to kick this to you. Here's a super chat from Joe Papini. He says, "What I saw was that when they needed to run, they couldn't." Like at the goal line, also that screen pass, uh, that screen pass play that needs to be scrapped. I'm going to somewhat disagree with with Joe on this. Uh, and and here's here's what I'm going to disagree with a little bit, Joe. I want to pull that back up, Vince. I'm going to kick this to you. I felt when they needed when they needed yards out, they could get them. The problem, and here was an issue. The the problem with the goal line play was it was just a poorly it was a poor call. You're at the three about the three yard line. It's fourth and one, and you go 11 personnel, which allows BYU to crowd the box. And when you try to just run up the middle, you, you don't have enough guys to block the eight guys he had in the box. It's like, what were you thinking there? Yeah. You know, like there's just a lot of stuff like that. But then, uh, like, they just, you know, when they were able to get the yards they needed to get in other times because they could just, they were just better than BYU. Right. But there's a lot of stuff like that, Vince, where you're like, I don't like the call, but that they can't cover that dude. Or, yeah, right. You know, and that was really well. There was, from this game. you know, I was very complimentary of of Tommy Reese. You know, the past two games because I thought he called a great game. I thought his game plans were fantastic. They, I think he took a step back tonight. I, I wasn't overly impressed with his game plan, and I wasn't overly impressed with some of the calls. Like, for example, going thirteen personnel when you're backed up to the goal line on second and nine, and then you try to get too cute and run play action on a naked boot. And it was darn near a safety for Notre Dame. I mean, it was just th- – that's not the call that you make in that end of the field with three tight ends on the field. I mean, I, I don't have a problem running play action with three tight ends, but how about you show that you can run the ball with three tight ends first before you start doing play action with three tight ends? I, I don't know. It, it just there, – there were, there were questionable calls at questionable places on the field, yeah. and – and I don't necessarily have an issue with the screen pass. It wasn't executed very well because they ran it right into the box where they had all the guys. Like that's not how you want to run that. And that's not where you want to run that. You need to run it. So he's actually behind some blockers because you don't need much of a block to get three yards. That's the play that went for a touchdown against Ohio state. Correct. Absolutely. And that, that was part of my problem. Like one of the things I said in my game observations, Ryan, was I loved how Tom Reese got Michael Mayer involved in a lot of different ways early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you're like, you know, we were joking in the chat. We were all chatting in the games. Like, how do they not have a plan for Michael Mayer? Well, part of it is because Tom Reese moved him around a lot early and he was running crossers. He was running outs. He was running scenes. Finally and, saw some crossers. Know, over. Yeah, we saw him get a couple deep balls. I mean, yeah. imagine that. Michael Mayer can catch the ball down the field. Shocker, right? Uh, but here's the thing that bothered me eventually BYU figured it out and Notre Dame didn't figure out that BYU figured it out. So for example, on that particular play, I mean, that play worked against Ohio state. 
you knew at that point in time that BYU is zeroing in on Michael Mayer. Did you guys see when the ball started to go to him, like five BYU guys converged? A good offensive coordinator needs to know that ahead of time mm-hmm. and say, pump fake something to him and then throw Holden Stace or Eli Raritan or somebody else, like a little corner route or something backside. And that's the thing that kind of frustrated me is you did a great job with Mayer early, great job with him early, but then didn't use him to set up other things. Right. And and that's the thing that frustrated me. There were some missed opportunities there because the reason this game was 28 to 20 is because Notre Dame had to settle for a field goal there, which was a poor play call. They had they got stopped on fourth and one, which was a poor play call. You know, there there are things like that where it's like, you know, guys, what what are you doing here? Right. You've got to yeah. you've got to anticipate that, Ryan. And there's a lot of stuff like that from tonight where it's like you see what BYU's doing. Why why don't you have a why aren't you anticipating that and, and going with some sort of counter for it? Well, Brian, I mean, I think when you opened this whole conversation to begin the podcast, you said that, you know, Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame was more talented than BYU, right? And yeah. you just saw kind of that talent discrepancy a lot with Michael Mayer and some of the running backs and all that type of stuff. And I think that Tommy Reese called the game that way, if I'm being honest. Like, it was a vanilla game plan. There wasn't yeah. much creativity. It was more like, okay, when I need a big pass play, I'm going to go to 87. I'm just right. going to give him an sh- opportunity. I think, I mean, he caught, what, 11 out of 12 targets or something like that. So, like, obviously. So absurd, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michael Mayer's a great player. But then also in the run game, we've talked about it, right? I mean, you're just running duo. And, I mean, you start running some wide zone in the second half, which I thought was, you know, about time. Like, let's run right. some wide <laughs> yeah. zone. They went right down the field and scored. Shocker. Shocker. Shocker how that happens. I mean, we talked all week about how they're weak on the edges. But, yeah, sure. Uh, but, I mean, regardless, I feel like they were just kind of like, you know, I didn't see any, like, real. I, I saw a little jet motion, but, like, there was no jet sweep off of anything. There was no end around. Like, there was just not a ton of, ton of creativity in the run games. I just felt like Tommy Reese was like, okay, I have the best tight end in college football, potentially. <laughs> I have a stable of running backs that are fantastic. I'm just going to ride these guys to the victory, and I yeah. just feel like there was just a lack of creativity, and it was just a vanilla game plan. And I think he just yeah. let his guys be guys, which is fine at certain points, but, I mean, when you're still struggling to get guys like Lorenzo Styles, the football consistently, wide receivers. I mean, Brayden Lindsey is just the stop route guy right yeah. now. That's all he is. It's yeah. just, there's just times you can see they were just using him to, I mean, he was taking the top off the defense a few times, but it's just like, they're not even looking at him. Yeah. He's like a decoy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there was another, there were, there were times how we were talking about a quarterback and, and, and I want to start off well with, with I want to start off Drew Pye. I want to start off some positives first, because there were some things I think he's going to have to get better at, but I, I thought Drew played with a lot of poise guys. I thought mm-hmm. there were mistakes in the game that he'll need to do better at, which we can get into. But as a guy making his third start, I thought he played with a lot of poise. I thought his ball placement was better than it has been most of the games. It's not even just about completing passes, but completing it where it needs to be. After his early miss on Logan Diggs on that first drive where he got pressured, he's got to throw that ball out in front and just hit him and, and hit a t- get a touchdown there. He's got to make that play. I thought he settled in after that, guys, and, and, and made some throws. I thought he was accurate. I thought he did a he he showed he played a lot of poise and even like the third down scramble you know like he's running outside yeah and I'm like I'm gonna run right out of bounds and he's gonna be short and then bam he cuts up inside and makes that play he he made like there's a lot of teaching tape in this game Vince for for Drew Pine absolutely but the the that's good and bad but the good is the kid would play with a lot of poise a lot of moxie and. and 
Yeah. I was just saying specifically on third down. I mean, I, I thought that his third down presence was really good. Yeah. And and that that's a lot, man. I mean, that's you know, I, I really wasn't sure what we would get from Drew Pine once we got to, you know, week three, week four, you know, of him being the starter, settling in, once teams get tape on him, et cetera. He, you know what? He's settling in just fine. And mm-hmm. he's obviously comfortable behind his O-line. He's not jittery back oh. there. He trusts those guys to block for him. And they stepped up and blocked for him. How can on- you not be comfortable behind well, that offensive line and pass pro? Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Vince, you're, you're right. I'm just yeah. making a no, no, no. I, to show how good the offensive and, line is. And I will also say, if you remember two quarterbacks ago, when there was a beautiful pocket, the quarterback got jumpy and would run outside the pocket. Remember? I mean, that, that- three quarterbacks ago. Oh, you're okay. Sorry. Two years Fucker. ago. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. So, like, yes. I like yeah. the fact that he's comfortable back there and yeah. he trusts the guys in front of him to make a play because they are making plays and it allows him to keep his eyes downfield, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, I, I was really impressed with his third down poise tonight. There, there obviously, there's some throws that I'm sure he would want sure. back. And oh, you yeah. said, like you said, there's going to be some teaching film that they're going to be able to dive into. And I think he's a smart kid and he's, they, they follow Drew Pine and yeah. th- there's no doubt about it. They follow him. He's a leader, et cetera. So uh, he's, he's, he's doing a good job. I, I, he really is doing a good job there. They've obviously changed the offense to fit what Drew Pine does. And that's totally fine. That's yeah. what you should do. Uh, but I, I think he's settling in. Sean, I was really impressed also in this game, and we've seen it before, his willingness to stay in there and take a hit if it means getting the ball yeah. out is really impressive. That's and right. just go, I, I was saying, going back to the first point you made, like, yeah, I was I was totally livid because I felt like, you know, he stood in there and you just, just man, Diggs is wide open on that first drive. Just hit him. Yeah. Just hit him. Just throw it out in front. Just let him walk in for the touchdown. And then he comes back. The one thing with him is that he is a lot more comfortable than he makes you feel on the couch. <laughs> like when you're watching him play, you're like, yeah. oh boy. But I get the feeling that he's totally in control of himself, regardless of whether or not yeah. he makes a mistake, makes a play, or the outcome of the play. I feel like he's at a space now where he's very capable of doing exactly what's asked of him. Mm -hmm. And right now, that might go to the point that Tommy Reese right now isn't willing to really ask a lot of him. Sure. And Tommy knows, I don't have to ask a lot of him to win games and have an efficient offense. And I'm going to stick to this until I see improvement and I can trust him with a little bit more on his plate. So, you know, those things go hand in hand. And at this point, you do feel like that at least Tommy should be able to trust him a little bit more to open it up specifically early on first downs, you know, um, first or a wide open corner route in the end zone when they're five guys running at Michael Mayer. Absolutely. And look, especially in the red zone, at some point you can't handcuff because Drew Pine is not going to beat you in the red zone with his legs like a Tyler Buckner. Right. So when you take that away, that's basically extra defenders, you know, in the passing lanes. And you have to be able to simplify things. If you're going to bring everybody in, then you know what? Take some shots, some 50-50 balls to the corner mm-hmm. with some of your best athletes. Like, go one-on-one. 
stop just banging your head against a brick wall, just running the ball from eight yards out three times, expecting to be able to overpower people. Like these aren't power five teams that you're facing or, right. you know, D1 athletes that you're facing. Right. Like BYU was strong up the middle. Like do something else. Yeah. Right. It was obvious that their athletes could out athlete yes. BYU all game yeah. long. <laughs> yes. How about continuing to out athlete BYU in the red zone? Hmm. Yes. Yes. Sean, I'm just I'm just impressed, Sean, that you sit through a Notre Dame games. I was I'm up out of my seat constantly with this team, so I'm just impressed. Well, and and I will also say that the success of Drew Pine is great, and it's maybe not what I. Fully expect. I, I expect him to be able to lead this team and all of those different things. And we talked about that during the summer, multitude of times, right? What's amazing to me, and I don't know if it's amazing in a good way, is that Drew Pine is doing what he's doing basically without wide receivers. I mean, they're not even using the wide receivers in any way, shape, or form, and they're still doing these things, you know, offensively, and they're moving the ball, and they're doing. You know, it, it's like a third of the offense is just missing. And Drew Pine is still having success, which is just mind-boggling to me. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna somewhat disagree with that a little bit, Vince, because I actually thought they schemed a little bit more for the receivers today, a little bit, a little okay. bit. I felt like Drew didn't find them open, and and I'll, and I'll give you a couple examples. Number one, I mean they took a, they took a shot down the field, Jaden Thomas. They worked the seams. You got Lorenzo Warhol caught a seam. I, you saw Jaden Thomas catch a seam. That's a throw that 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 was one of the wor- the bad early misses against Marshall. I mean right. against Cal was that just not hit man in the seam. Since then he's been really good up the seams and he attacks the middle of the field as good as any quarterback Notre Dame has had. And in, in since I mean God, I'm trying to think who's the last quarterback that was willing to throw the ball to the middle. You have to probably go back to Malik, maybe Everett. You know where they quarterbacks just consistently willing uh, to to do to to you know make those kind of plays. Yeah. There were other times, however, where there were guys open. He was just locking in on Michael Mayer yeah. at yeah. times in the second half. And like, so for example, the third down on the drive where he threw the pick, he hit Jane Thomas and you move the chains and it looks like a great play, but he had Lorenzo Styles behind him wide open and he may catch it and score. At the very least, Alabama just beat uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M went for it on, for, uh, had a chance to win it first and goal. Three seconds left, and Bama stopped him. It was a terrible play, by the way. Yeah, terrible play call. Um, Terrible play call. There were opportunities there where I thought they they did some level stuff, which we've been asking for all year, and and it worked uh, at times. And at times, Drew just to get there. But the thing is, guys, he'll get to that eventually. You know what I mean? Like that's part of experience. That's that's the teaching tape we talk about where it's like, hey, you missed that, and you said, well, you know, you converted a third and long. Yes, you did, but you ended up not scoring. If you make the right read, maybe Lorenzo catches that, creases the defense and scores, right? Right. You know, those are the things that will come. But even with that, he went 22 of 28 with mm-hmm. 262 yards and three touchdowns. You know, the interception was bad. He stared him. That ball might have got picked off even if it did get tipped. <laughs> that, that linebacker was closing. Drew never saw him. I yeah. mean, you know, those are things that, you, look, you can't make that mistake. You've, you've got to do a better job there. you got to find Lorenzo. you got to do this. you got to do that. That's the teaching tape they're going to talk about, fellas. But – Give me a teaching tape. Sean, this kind of goes back to the point you're making earlier. Give me a game that I got to correct a lot of stuff where my quarterback went 22 of 28 for 262 yards and three touchdowns against a ranked team that we said during the week. And I don't know what you guys were talking about about this, Sean, but Ryan and I talking about this is a quality pass defense. 
you know, and I thought he did a he did a, a really good job picking them apart and attacking when he did attack. And like the throw to Jaden Thomas, was it a great throw? No, but it doesn't have to be. Just give your guy a flipping shot and yeah, yeah. Made, made, made play. Yeah, he that's did. All. That's all you can ask, right? Give your guys a shot, especially in a matchup when your athletes are better than their athletes. And like you said, you know, there are a lot of really good things to talk about tonight. Like it's 28 to 20. Yeah. You feel like the margin should have been, been much larger or yeah. much wider. But you go back to talking about this offensive line, continuing to build. I want to talk about that fourth quarter run by Logan Diggs. Oh, oh big yes. time. That was beautiful. Big time run. Big and time. Big time run. hole, too. I mean, they opened it was. Hole. It was. And you could tell if he was truly 100%. That stiff arm would have been yeah. a little would have stung yeah. the defensive back a little more on the with the left. You could yeah. tell he didn't stretch it out there as much as you wanted him to, but big time run at the Blake end. Blake had a huge, it. huge block on that. He did get up to the second level. The, nice the run shot, the hole opened up for an eight-yard gain. Mm-hmm. Right. Like his his play after that, like yeah. was th- that's the difference between that's where a running look, the line did its job, opened up the hole. He's got to do his job to turn an eight-yard run into a 33-yard run. Mm-hmm. And that's what was so impressive about that, Sean. Yeah. I mean, just the balance that he showed was was really impressive. Uh, really impressive. Yeah. It seemed like Chris Tyree struggled with his footing all night. Yes. He was constantly leaning forward too much. Yeah. yeah. And getting ahead of himself, not playing under control and, and slipping all like and the, the biggest mistake that that a non-quarterback made in this game, in my opinion, because I don't Mayor's, I guess Mayor's got to catch that ball, but that looked like it was a little too far out for the tight end. I mean, that, that to me, if I'm a quarterback's coach, that's on the quarterback to me. You guys know what I'm talking about the third down. But Tyree dropping that slip screen early in the game, that oh, goes. Oh, that goes. Yes. yes. That I, goes. I went, see, that's where I wish I was at the game so I could have seen the whole picture. Yeah. You know what I mean on that one? Because. It sounded like he had green grass all the way in front of him, and and with yeah. his speed and dynamic, you know, it he would have probably would have gone. Guy miss, Vince. He would have had to make one guy miss, but it would have been twenty okay. yards down the field, right? That's exactly. my point, right? And, and he knew it. I mean, he was right. immediately hands on his head, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. But but the but I will, I you know, I, I bang Tommy Reese for his game plan, right? But that play call, sure. that's how you get Chris Tyree involved in the game, yep. right there. And if he yep. catches that, that's where you want Chris Tyree with the football outside in space, right? Yep. So that is a great play call. Tyree just has to catch it. Right. No doubt. I thought Jaden Thomas made that great play on the outside. But we saw in this game, you take that play away, it was a great play. That's not where you're going to make your living against Georgia and Bama and Agreed. things like that. Where we saw him make a couple other plays, and there was other times he was open. There was another play early in the game that he was that Jane Thomas was wide open. The first time they punted, and he he threw it to Jane Thomas on the scramble. I, the, uh, Sean, that might have been the play you're talking about earlier. He's got Jane. No, no, you were talking about the Dix play. He's got Jane yeah. Thomas wide open yeah, coming out of the middle. Out, yeah. I mean, just it's a seam yeah. right. He's wide open, and he yeah. missed him. But that's where Jane Thomas made his money today, fellas. It was working from the slot, working from the middle of the field. That's where he's got to be. And that's where he's right? best. Yes. Right? Because he's we a mismatch. We talked about this after the second game. Right. you got to get him in the slot because he yep. is not a separator outside. No, he's not. He's just not. But he's but he's a mismatch with his yes. size and everything on the inside. He knows how to get open he's a, and he's strong. He's a different kind of a slot receiver. You know, we all think of a slot receiver. You think of a little guy who's, you know, can, can you know, move around in space and all that. 
he's a different kind, but he can be a super successful slot receiver because of his mismatch physically. And he does a good job of running crossers and, you know, things like that. And he can, he can run away from guys like that because that doesn't involve getting off the line and doing, you know, it's different, right? His skill set is as a slot receiver right now. And I think he can be super successful that way if they use him properly. Yeah. Guys, um, I, it was nice to see Holden Stace get some a catch today. We saw Tobias Merriweather playing a little bit. He actually ran a double clear out that got Stace. They're actually running a hitch with a wide fade. And BYU jumped the wide fade, which opened up Holden Stace. So it was good to see some other guys getting in the game. They didn't really get him the ball a ton. There were some questionable personnel usages where you're like, why are you in a dub two two receiver set and you don't have Lorenzo Styles, uh, Braden Lindsey, or Tobias Merriweather on the field? But whatevs. Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean you mean like twenty nines on the field and everybody knows it's a run? With, yes, with eighty three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We saw Deion Thomas. Deion Thomas. Deion Colsey getting the game <laughs> a little bit in this game as well. Uh, so you know, we at least saw some other guys playing. I thought up front guys. I don't know. I didn't think any of the linemen played great. I just thought as a whole, they just played solid together. You know, yeah. they, they played hard. I thought they stopped their feet a little bit too much in this game, which happens when you play a big offense, a big defensive line. Right. They had side. That, yes. That kind of goes back to when, what were the plays they had success with, right? I mean, like you come out that second half and, and this is what they did on their first three runs. Mid zone, which bounces for eight. They ran a shovel pass, which went for six. And then they ran a stretch play for six. And you're like, you started to see BYU kind of get on skates a little bit. And then they kind of went away from it again. And then when they needed a big play, they went back to it late and got it. Like they ran a thought. One of the best calls that Tom Reese made was the toss play Yeah, at the end of the game. Yeah, That's where you should have been in this game. Yep. You know, and that was in a situation where they knew you were running the football. You know what I mean? And you still got it. So, uh, you know, I, I felt like the line as a whole, even though, I'll watch the film, you know, Vince, you, you know, Ryan and I will do the, the opponent further review tomorrow, but uh, I don't know. I, I didn't notice anybody stand out. I saw a couple great blocks. I just thought as a whole, they just played really well. And BYU is not a very good pass rushing team. And they did what a really good offensive line is supposed to do to a not really good pass rushing team. They never threatened the quarterback, you know, with, with, yeah. with a couple exceptions of, you know, where co- the coverage was good. So I thought as a whole, the offensive line played well. Anything in particular with the line anybody want to want to talk about from this game? It seemed, it seemed like Blake Fisher maybe had one of his more consistent games, right? Like, I, again, like going back to the All-22 film tonight and tomorrow morning, we'll be able to tell a lot more. But I didn't notice him in any negative fashions, which happens once or twice a game usually. But it seemed like Blake Fisher may have had one of his more consistent games. But I agree with you, Brian. Like, it wasn't any player – from the broadcast view that you're just like, oh, he's just dominating reps, dominating, dominating. But it just seemed as a cohesive group, I think they played pretty well. But I'm interested to see how Blake Fisher fared in this game because he se- he just seemed a little more consistent. He was physical game. in this game, yeah. I thought. I thought he's more physical in this game. And, Sean, the Logan Diggs run, I mean, he's downfield just blowing up a linebacker like five, right. six yards down the field. I mean, yeah. that was a big part of it, big, mm-hmm. big part of it. Yeah. The 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 coming together as a group, taking another. I think they took another step as a unit today, and that's what we want them to do. That's what we were asking them to do. We knew it wasn't going to be as dominant as North Carolina. I mean, that, North Carolina, like it was like eleven guys they pulled in from the parking lot, right? I mean, it was you're not going to be that dominant. But I thought the communication between the five was what took another step. Yeah, 
I do. And you're right about some of the fundamental things, but that could get cleaned up. I, I'm but not, that's going to, but my point, Vince, is that's yeah, going to happen when you're absolutely. trying to move, when you're trying to run and, duo against a 320 pound nose guard. Right. And, and BYU was like, hey, <laughs> we're going to plug the middle. Like that was their whole game plan. We're plugging the middle. And, yes. <laughs> and Notre, and Notre Dame just, played right. In, and yeah. they still ran for yeah. a, 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 a quote unquote unimpressive 234 yards. Folks. Yes, exactly. Now, again, they were helped by 79 yards on two runs late. Okay. But, but okay. Still, I mean, but that's hey, the point. You, that's when we, you close out games. And BYU though. knew it was coming. Exactly. I mean, that, that's the thing in this game. BYU knew it was coming. Yeah. And that's how you and, close and out they were games, still able like to get, you know, they get four yeah. and five and three yeah. and six and, and then when they ran them out a little bit at the end of the game, they busted those two big plays over. Right, exactly. And that so was, I, that was I like where the offensive line is. They, you know, question marks going in. Can the offensive line take another step? I thought they took another step as a unit, right? Again, you can clean up some of the fundamental stuff. I'm not even really all that worried about that at the moment. They took another step as a unit. That's yeah. where I needed them to be personally what I was looking for. So I loved, I liked it. Let's transition over the defense, fellas, because this was one of the weirdest games I have seen from a defense. Taylor, I was literally writing down like early in the second half, like you know, Notre Dame had just scored to go up twenty-five six. I'm starting to kind of like make notes of the post-game observations and different articles we're going to write, things like that. And I'm and I made a note: brilliant defensive performance <laughs> because because at halftime, I mean, did you guys see the halftime stats? At yeah. halftime, Notre Dame had outgained BYU 259-67. to 67. I mean, that was as good of a first half of defensive football as you're going to find. I mean, that, that was really impressive. I mean, their only touchdown in that, of that whole half came after a long punt return that set them up inside the 30-yard line. Right. You know, I mean, just harassed Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall was three for eight for 11 yards in the first half, and they needed to get to fourth down to get the only touchdown that they got in the first half. And and I thought that I thought the line got pushed around on the first drive, the second drive. The first drive was the pick. In the the run yeah. game, they got pushed around a little bit early, and then for some reason BYU kind of went away from that in the second quarter, and the pass rush took over. Second half, they weren't getting to the quarterback as much. But the big thing about the second half, fellas, is there are three things that I saw that bothered me. And I'll tell you, you kind of, you guys give me your thoughts on it. Ryan, we'll go Ryan, Vince, Sean. Uh, number one, I thought the defensive line got pushed around way too much in the run game. I thought that I was puzzled on the 90 something yard drive as, as to why Tariq Bracey was not on the field on both third down conversions in that game. Which I mean, love Jaden Mickey, bright future. This was a bad game. I mean, on a third long, he's just running into a guy as the running back's running right by him. I mean, and then on the, the the cover two, like that's not the kind of position I'm putting him in. To be honest with you, in in, in that third on that on that cover two where he's running, he's basically kind of running one on one with with a guy and just gets beat. You know, so I just felt like. There was there was there was some puzzling stuff, and I felt like in the second half BYU adjusted, and Notre Dame failed to adjust. And then you get to the final drive, and they're giving up ground, and but they stepped up and made the play. So I don't know if I've ever seen a, a, a greater change from half one to half two than what we saw in this game, in my opinion. Because even against Oklahoma State, guys, you started to see Oklahoma State move it in the second quarter, right? 
And and you know, but in this game, it just it was weird. I don't. I still. I'm having trouble even coming to grips with what we saw. <laughs> I, I just. It was just. It was weird. It was yeah. weird. What, what are your a, thoughts on those things, Ryan? There, there was an ominous lack of communication at times, especially in the second half. Like I felt like it was just adjusting the motion. Guys were in the wrong position. Multiple guys were running to the same spot, kind of pushing one another to different spots, and it was. Just, it just seemed like it was just really. I don't know if it was an adjustment thing for BYU. Again, that the film will t- be able to tell that a little bit better, but it just seemed like for whatever reason, defense was not on the same page on it. Like a, a, from a cohesive perspective, it seemed like they were kind of confused at what their responsibilities were at times. And I thought there was just a lack of communication just from a, a doing your job perspective too, Brian. Like, I mean, a couple of those, like that, that, that one ball that was completed late in the game when Tariq Bracey came up limp afterwards. Right. I'm just like, there's just no communication just passing off uh, uh, passing off receivers, right? Like you vacate your zone. I'm, I'm not seeing much communication at end. I'm not seeing guys, you know, aggressively pass off players. So it's just a lack of communication just during the play. And then I think from a post-snap perspective, I mean, from a pre-snap perspective, just seemed like guys just weren't really comfortable with the responsibility work to me, especially yeah. in the second half. Yeah. They didn't adjust. Vince, they didn't adjust to the tempo at all. No, they didn't. Like, they didn't. And it was – I, I'll kind of piggyback off of what Ryan said. It was it felt like a lack of communication to me uh, across the board on on numerous occasions, and it made what was pretty decent, you know, secondary play not good, right? Because individually, I thought some guys played pretty well in the secondary, but the, working together as a unit wasn't very good tonight. Right. You just know busted I mean? plays. It was the same yeah. stuff against North Carolina events. It was just. Yes. You take away three plays of this game, and Notre Dame destroys this team. But that's the same thing we said last week, right? And and except BYU's better than North Carolina, and another either ill-timed or not well-executed safety blitz got him again. Like I think it's time <laughs> to scrap the safety blitz at this point yes. because they don't know how to do it, or the way that it's designed isn't working. Because you can't leave the middle of the field wide open like that. I'm not saying that that's the way that play was designed, but that's what's happening. So I'm okay with no more safety blitzes the rest of the season. I don't know about you guys. I don't know, unless it's Ramon Henderson. Sean. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but he needs the to person. start at linebacker depth, not at, at safety depth. <laughs> it's like it's every insane. time they try to blitz from depth, it's almost like there is an NFL style that he's trying to bring to this defense. And it's like – Stop because you know that blitzing from depth is very much something you see a lot in the NFL that teams know how to do and they know how to time it correctly. But Ryan, you and, pointed and they out have dudes it. that can close ground a lot, close ground, too. absolutely, and communicate and like everyone's on the same page. Like you're asking kids, and then I'm, I'm questioning when you're calling it, like why are you calling it there? Why now, right? Like you just went up and you're dominating this game, force them to prove that they can go the length of the field. Don't give away a big play that gives them momentum because at that point in time, I think Notre Dame was up, what, 25 to 6? Yeah. So it's it's like, what are we doing? Like, there's no need to even do that. Just let your front four get after him. I think coming into this game, he was almost – I think his QBR when he was pressured was something like 55. 
Yeah, it was not good. Yeah, it was He's not good. like 30 some percent of his passes or something like yeah. that. It's not good. So it's like, I, it's just the timing of the call, Vince, of that blitz. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, no clue why yeah, it, he went for it there. It feels like every time they call it, it's it's the bad timing. I, I don't know. I, it just, yes, Ramon Henderson's able to get home on those. Nobody else is. And right. so it's. So don't call it. Right. <laughs> That's it. Right. <laughs> and your 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 inside linebackers don't know how to run that double inside blitz. They don't. Maris can get through, but the second linebacker never gets through. It's like what let's recognize what these linebackers can do, what these safeties can do, what they do well, and stop calling things that you like to call as a coach because yeah. you think it fits. No. Yes. It because it schematically do. it makes sense, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. That's a mis- That's that's kind of what, I, Sean. I think that's where where I'm feeling you, right? Like your 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 points right now because it's like, yes, it may look good on paper, but I don't right. know if you've got the guys that necessarily pull off some of the pull stuff that you're trying to pull off. Yeah. You know, and and it, it it's a little it's a little strange. You know, like some of the stuff you're like, okay, like I get the call that they made on the the long pass for the touchdown i get it and it really makes sense but but you're asking an over aggressive freshman to do that a right. kid that every time Jaden mickey's gotten beat this year like that it's been on some kind of double move yeah right because right. and, and, and we talked about this preseason like that was my big concern with Jaden mickey is he's too aggressive mm-hmm. and and you're putting him like yes it was a terrible play by Jaden mickey but my thing is you shouldn't have put him in that position and why is Treek Bracey not on the field? You know, why wasn't Treek Bracey on the field on the third and 17? And I just, I, that call didn't make any sense to me. Like, I understand protecting, but like, you're you're playing everybody but like three guys, like 15 yards off the ball. You let that running back get free. He's just, he's just making people miss. It was such right. a weird call. Like, that right there changed the game. It was kind of like the Spencer San, Sanders miss sack at the end of the first quarter with J.D. Bertrand. Yeah. Like you make that stop on third and 17, it's 25 to six. They're punting from like their own end zone and you roll. Right. Yep. And I think that's the frustrating thing about this game is guys is the defense did a, such a great, like the defense did a great job of giving this team a big lead and the offense missed a lot of opportunities that just re- I mean, it should have been 25, six at halftime. Absolutely. And, and can I say again, why are you going for two? At eighteen to six in the second quarter, the first I put half. it in the chat twice. Analytics, which it was, it's still dumb, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> then here to say analytics was the game. That field goal at the end of the game, all of a sudden, or you know, puts you up nine, mm-hmm. and now they need two scores. It just you get tired of that. But I think what we're seeing, guys, from from really on both sides of the ball tonight, when Notre Dame kind of had some issues, it's when they were trying to be too too smart. And, you know, like, I think it was Ryan or Vince, which one of you in the chat, might, Sean, might have been you, was like, they need to call a timeout here right. because the defense is yeah. lost. I mean, they're looking yeah. around trying to communicate when the ball's getting snapped. In college, you, you the, temp, the tempo works differently a little bit in college, right? You've got to be prepared to line up and just have a call. And then if the offense looks to the sideline, then you get your call in. Right. And so that's a mistake that that's something that Al Golden's going to have to learn is because teams are going to see this. Clemson's going to see this. USC is going to see this. And they're going to say Notre Dame likes to be real, real diverse and have all these calls and have an expansive game plan. When you go fast, they still try to do that. And they're not lined up and not ready. 
and you can catch them. And you've got to you've got to be able to kind of you know have a line up and say, hey, look, if they go tempo, you have a three by one check and a two by two check, and that's your check. You you get to call in, and then when they look, you look. And then on offense, I mean, how many timeouts did Notre Dame waste in this game? With that, like they came out early and went tempo and went right down the field. And then after that, it was like, let's line up and then look to the sideline. And it's again, it's you're doing that. Every team does that. Notre Dame did that constantly. Why? Because I got to make sure we get the right call in and get the perfect call in. So I kind of show how smart I am when it's like, dude, just get up there, line up, and run it down their throat or take a shot. Because what you then do is you let them get their calls in. And it just, it's because you have two really X's and O's smart coordinators who kind of like to let everybody know how smart they are. And that's been the issue with this defense all season, guys. It was the issue against Marshall, right? They tried to get too cute and creative against Marshall, run some kind of pass scheme defense, and they ran it right at you. They did the same thing in this game, you know, in the second half. First half, great. Second half, you didn't adjust. Yeah. And I think that was a big frustration that I had on defense. And the defensive line has got to figure some stuff out because – this is what third third game out of five, where a team has just leaned on them and ran it down their throat in the second half. Somebody's like the D line's gas. I'm like, dude, they've been on. This was like late in the third quarter. Like they've been on the field for 15 minutes. Yeah, the offense had the ball a bunch. The whole freaking game. Yeah, the ball. The offense had the ball a bunch in the second half. What they run like eight minutes off the clock in the third yes. quarter. Like, yes, the defense was not gassed. They were Since getting they dominated. Ran six plays right. the whole game. Right. BYU the whole game. Right. That was a problem. That was a problem. It was, it was just, it's like it's frustrating. And, and again, now here's here's part of it. You didn't have Jacob Lacey in this game. You're not going to have him the rest of the year. You also didn't have Howard Cross, which we put on the message board about half hour before the game in our live chat that that we he heard he rolled his ankle this week and that he may not play. Uh, they tried to get him ready. He ended up not being able to play. But yeah, you you were missing two guys. That's that against the number sixteen team in the country. That's going to have an impact, right? I mean, we can we can say that. I mean, mm-hmm. we can we can chalk that up a little bit. Great learning experience for for Gabriel Rubio. He did some nice things. He did some things that weren't so nice. He got. Yeah. Did you guys see the play where he just got destroyed, like yeah. blown up off the ball, pancake? But there was other times where he had a really nice push. He'll learn, right? He'll learn. You know, and this is the kind of team a young guy like that's going to learn a lot about because this is a, a a very experienced offensive line. But overall, guys, I still I still say the biggest thing that frustrates me is the linebacker play. I'll say this though: we were very hard on Jack Kaiser the last two weeks, rightfully so. This was his best game of the year by far. And not just be, take yeah. the safety out. Take the safety play out. I thought it was just good all game. He was the most aggressive linebacker in normal downs coming downhill. He was good in coverage. The first third down that they forced, they were trying to show throw an out cut to the tight end in the slot. He was all over it. I thought he played well. But for the most part, the starting linebackers just don't play well in space. Note, I, I joked with you guys before the show, Sean, I'm going to kick it to you and then we'll go to Ryan because I just want to let Ryan let the linebacker vibes, you know, build up in his body because I know how fired up he is right now. But it, they need to just start running like their goal line defensive from a linebacker standpoint the whole game because every team that Nerning plays in the goal line, when they get in the goal line, they need to get to like third and fourth down to score because this team <laughs> just does not let teams punch it in because the linebackers explode downhill. Saw Maris do it. We saw Bo did it. I mean, Bo had a great. Oh, that was a great fill. Blew the guy up. Holy cow! And, but then when they get out on the field, it's like this slow read, react, and they're just getting driven off the ball. They don't read. They don't fill at all. It, it's just it's. And it, I think it. 
Sean, I think it ties into what we discussed earlier. I think there's way too much on their plates at linebacker. And and I just think they've got to they've got to limit what they're doing with those kids because they're none of them, well, none of the starters are really playing aggressive. I still think I mean Prince Colley, now this is two games in a row where Prince Colley's been their most aggressive linebacker. Right. And base downs. But I, I don't know, Sean. I just I, I think it's the linebackers got to play well, but these kids didn't all regress in one year. I, yeah. You know, like they're worse than they were last year. Mm-hmm. And that That's concerning. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's not good. It needs to get better. And Mr. IB Chairman, I would like to give the rest of the allotment of my time to the Honorable <laughs> Ryan Roberts. Go ahead, Ryan. To the gentleman from New Jersey. Right. <laughs> Any objections? Any objections? Okay. The floor is yours. The floor is yours, Mr. Roberts. Sean, oh, you are Representative you Roberts. Are, you are too kind, my friend. You are too kind. <laughs> We're just going to all mute ourselves and let Ryan just go off. And <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I see a lot of people putting it in the chat, but I agree with it completely at this point. I do. Prince Colley needs to start. I, I, I need to pull, throw him in. Let them play and see what we got, man. It needs to happen at this point because it's it's the recurring issue. It's the same thing each and every game. You know, I'm the biggest – I've been the biggest Maris Loifel fan for the last two years, Brian. This kid, I mean, I don't want to be too critical because he makes some plays still. But really, I mean, his best reps for me are when he's an on-ball Sam on the edge and he just reads yep. and reacts. That's where that's where he's his best, or man. just just he yeah, has one that's, job. And just that's all it. it is, man. Like it's simplified role he can work for, but it's it's just not it's just not clicking. I mean, he's he is taking bad angles uh, to the football. He is taking on blocks that are unnecessary. That he could slip that what you some. Would call that? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> trying to be nice, man. I'm a, this, is, this is PG thirteen. He doesn't know how. Rating. The point is, he doesn't know how to take on blocks. I, I know, man. I that's know. It's it's look and. JD came back in the second half. I thought his run fits were bad, if I'm being completely honest. Bo, he's the same Bo that we've seen for yeah. five years yep. now. Like it's it's uh, he at this played point, JD that in this game, in my opinion, though. He guys. did, he did. I mean, he at did. least he's aggressive. Right. Usually. I mean, J- JD again, like I, I just think the vision is just not there right now. He's not seeing the game. And that could be like, you know, partly he's missed two halves of football. Like it's it's you know, it's a little yeah. tough kind of coming yeah. back yeah. and then all it's that the whole stuff. Game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really, honestly, but I mean, at this point, Brian, and I know it's like a little hot take ish, and it's not what we're here for. But Prince Kali, man, like next game, I'd be like, Prince, you're starting, man. Let's see what you got. Brian, that's see not a hot take, with. man. That's analysis of what's happening on film. I mean, a hot take would be like, I, I feel, I feel like we're hitting our head against look, the wall. Here's what would be a hot like take. Right. Hot take would be like, you need to start Jalen Sneed and start Junior Two Alamaka and start somebody else we've never seen. That's a hot take, right? Looking at the guy who's been their most aggressive, best playmaker the last two games, she needs to start, is not a hot take. That's called, that's why I hired you. Because yes. you're smart and you know defense and you can see things like that. So, yes, I I, I, I mean, maybe he's not as good in practice. Remember, remember, you know how many times we've heard that last 10 years? Sure. But sure. all I know is on Saturday, 
the last two weeks, he's been their most impactful linebacker. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about the, the sack, right? Because that was cleaning up somebody else's thing. I'm going to talk about yeah. that. Yep. You know, uh, if Jack Kaiser can play the way he did today, the rest of the year, he looked like the Jack Kaiser from last year. Agreed, today, fellas. I, I thought he played pretty darn well. I yeah. thought he played pretty well. I mean, I, I do. I, I, he was making some plays. He was in on a lot of plays. The the stuff where, and I, and I think where people are are thinking that he didn't play well, he was chasing a lot of things, but that wasn't his fault that he was chasing them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he was trying to fill in for people, you know, trying to make plays where other people had messed up, right? I thought Jack had a good game. I, I did. And there's no reason to bench Jack Kaiser right now. Yeah, and well, yeah, I, I saw after- I saw Jack make the best run fill that I've ever seen him yeah. make as a stacked player. I, right now, I mean, honestly, it has been so bad and inconsistent at linebacker. Next week, I'm playing base nickel, and I am throwing Jack Kaiser and Prince Kali out there and saying, we'll start the game out, Absolutely. see how you do. If it's not good, we'll, we'll keep rotating guys in. We're we're on a we're on a game by game basis of who starts at linebacker for me, and we'll see what the best fit. We'll and, see what the best set is. At and some they point. need to give Junior Tuilamaka some mic snaps. Yes, have to. I almost feel like Mike. You know, look, head coach needs. I think at some point in time, step up and step in and start forcing some of this stuff because if you force them to play the younger guys, then it forces the coaches to simplify. Simple as that. I mean, one of the issues we had with Brian Kelly over the years was he would get too complex with his quarterbacks. Sure. Yeah. When were the exceptions to that? Yeah, 2012 with a redshirt freshman quarterback, 2015 with a redshirt freshman backup quarterback stepping in, and 2018 when ever when uh, Ian Book stepped into the starting lineup. Right, and he was new. Right, and they just ran pretty basic concepts, RPOs, <gasps> quick outs, back shoulders, and occasional post route. I mean, that was really that was really it. And he shredded, right? Because then it was just your dudes were better than their dudes, but you played to that. Right. Right. Like that's partly what made the 2017 and 2015 offenses so good is they knew they had better dudes in the other team and they just game plan to give their best dudes opportunities to make plays. And it wasn't about let me show how smart I am. It was my dudes are really good. Let me just turn them loose. And that's something that I I think we need to see, because when, you know, when teams play base offenses, like I have a feeling that that Notre Dame is just going to defensively is going to look phenomenal next week. I, I do because they're going to play a pro style team that doesn't snap the ball quickly, that has no ability to go to pro, that has no ability to really go tempo, and has a statue at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to make us look like, oh, hey, look, they figured it out. But then they're going to get into the Syracuse game, they're going to get into the Clemson game, they're going to get into the USC game against teams that can go tempo, and it's going to be the same issue. And that's going to that's my thing is they've got to be able to be handle that because the, the the it's out there now. If you really want to get after Notre Dame, push the tempo. It created that's partly what created big mistakes against North Carolina. Yeah. It's what created big mistakes. And Marshall had some success with that at times as well. Cal's a pro style team that that didn't do that and they ate them up. Right. And Ohio State's not really a tempo team. But you know what Ohio State did in the second half when they start running on Notre Dame? Start going tempo. Mm-hmm. Start pushing the tempo a little bit and ran on them. The 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 book is written now, fellas. And until they they're gonna have to make some adjustments that are going to be prepared for that. And you know the secondary is it was a little maddening today because they looked really good at times, mm-hmm. and just like last game, there's just three or four plays where you're like, "Dude, what the heck? What are you doing?" You know, and that stuff's got to that's got to get cleaned up a little bit. Seemed like Cam Hart had a decent game for the most part, right? Like I, it wasn't like noticeable. Which yeah, was good. I thought he was pretty good against the run, Ryan. I thought he came downhill yeah. really hard. 
Uh, the only yep. catch I remember him giving up was a was a no cover hitch route. Yep. to Keanu Hill. Well, what that means for some people to understand is like there's certain times where depending on the coverage, you're you're not covering a certain zone. So if they were on a four yard hitch route, you're giving it to him, and you just right. rally and tackle him. And generally, was, generally think like cover four, like you're giving cover up three or cover four, instance. right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And yep. so uh, that's what it was. But he immediately closed on Hill and tackled him as soon as he caught the ball, right? <laughs> so I thought Cam did well, and they didn't throw a Cam. I, I mean, they they hardly. I don't remember them really challenging him to be honest with you. Um, the only time that I thought they had a chance to catch a ball on on Benjamin Morrison, who didn't start this game, by the way. Did you guys notice that they started their four two five personnel with Jack Kaiser at Rover? And they started Tariq and Cam. They started Hart. Tariq, yeah, yeah, and and which and which smart. paid off because right. Tariq got an interception on right. the first play. Um, and you know, Tariq is their best corner, right? He just yes. he's been their nickel so far, but they had that one Paul on, on that Nuka uh, Nuka uh, Puka almost called on him. Yeah, but it was just a great throw and a back shoulder. He was there the entire time. He'll have to learn to play that a little bit better. But you know, and then I thought Clarence Lewis was solid. Right, almost had a, pick, had, pick almost had a pick six. Right, had it. and the reason that ha- play happened was he beat the receiver to the spot, and the receiver stopped. Like that was great coverage, even before the breakup. It was great coverage to put himself in that position where to make the receiver basically just quit on the play. So there's some good things. I'm going to say this. This is who has been disappointing me lately. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Brandon Joseph was excellent in the game against Ohio State. He's underwhelmed me since, and he underwhelmed me today. He, his lack of aggressiveness coming up against the run today was frustrating me. And surprising, much, Sean. to be honest yeah. with you. Based Sean, on I saw your were. reaction. What, what are your What are your thoughts on that? No, because I remember him, not just Ohio State. He came up and made some really nice – I think it was the Cal game. He came off the edge early in the first half a couple of times for a couple of nice run stops. And I'm like, what has happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it goes back to look. I don't know what they're asking him to do, but I know one play today. It was a big run they had. He basically just allowed the tight end just to just just move him out of just yeah. take him totally out of the play. And it's like you can't you can't do that. Like you have to come in, slash, get inside. Forced to run an outside, do something, man. You just can't allow this guy to block you out of bounds and give up that type of run. So, look, I don't know. I have absolutely no clue. But I know one thing. There are so many exotic things that they're trying to do. And I think in the first half, they did a lot of things similar to what they did with Drake May that caused Jaron Hall to hold the ball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they were successful. Well, it's kind of like Tommy Reese. You have to expect that they're going to adjust to that. Right. So yep. now, instead of being so exotic, kind of, let's be simple. All right? Let's just be simple. Just like against North Carolina, we're up on these guys pretty big. If we don't give up a big play, the game is pretty much over. Yeah. You know, yeah. so – I'm all yeah, you don't give up, Sean, to your point. They don't give up that third and 17, which then led to the 53-yard. This is a 40-something to 13 game. Yeah, yeah, it's a blowout. Right? It's a blowout. And, and I'll say this. I was shocked BYU did not play like a 16th-ranked team from a scheme standpoint. I thought they were very 
conservative. Almost like they just wanted to get the game to the fourth quarter. Like you know what I thought, Sean? Let's just keep it close. They seem they coached Vince. I'm curious. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Their game plan early, like even the first pass by Jaron Hall, there was kind of a pressure, but not really. I think they came in with the D line in their head before the game even started. I think they were so worried about the Notre Dame defensive line that they just came out thinking, I got to get rid of the ball quick. Yeah. And anytime mm-hmm. someone did get near Jaron Hall, he acted like he had three dudes in his face. Right. I think they were, I think they were a little shook by the play of the D line early from a pass game standpoint. I think they knew this D line can be run on, but this D line is two different teams when it comes to run versus pass. Agreed. You know, other than the North Carolina game, you know, somewhat of the Cal game, but Cal's not really a great rushing team. Their offensive line just stinks. Yeah. But they're, they're a much better pass rushing team right now than a run stopping team. And I felt like they were, I think that kind of maybe Vince played into the the conservatism a little bit. Like to Sean's point, I think that was part of it. Maybe that was part of it too, was they seemed to be really worried about the Notre Dame defensive line. They really did. Yeah. And, and you're talking about that first play from scrimmage. I mean, yes, there was kind of somebody in his face, but not really. He could have still stepped into that throw. He threw it off his back foot, which is why it was so badly underthrown and allowed Tariq Bracey to to intercept it but mm-hmm. he could have stepped into that throw I mean it wasn't that much pressure I don't think anybody actually touched him on that play if I remember correctly maybe after he released it but he could have stepped into that throw and I think you're right I think I think Notre Dame's front was in his in his head before they even started the game he he was so remember we talked about Drew Pine trusting his offensive line and mm-hmm. then last year, Jack Cohn was not trusting his offensive line. Now, I I think it looked like Jaron Hall didn't really trust his O-line. He, you know, he he was anticipating the rush. And it showed in his passing game. And he was the second-best quarterback out there tonight because yeah. of it. Yeah, Drew, Notre Dame in this game, I, there was a lot of comments on, on YouTube, YouTube channel guys that said, you know, well, BYU has the better quarterback. Not tonight. Not tonight, they didn't. No, absolutely not. Is Jaron Hall better play than Drew Pine as of right now for the course of their career? Sure, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Today, Notre Dame had the best quarterback on the field. Absolutely. absolutely. You, you take away, I mean, two big plays. I mean, Jaron Hall threw for 120 yards tonight, fellas. I'd say about 80% of that those yard, that yardage came on two completions. I mean, right? I mean, that, you know, Drew was the better player tonight. He And he, here's, here's the thing. Drew was the more poised player tonight. Now, in fairness, Drew was going up against a defensive line that could not sniff him in most in most instances, and Jaron Hall was going against a defensive line that was it was getting in his face. And I and I thought you know we talk about the lead D line. Jason Adamiola had a little bit of an up and down game early on. They were kind of pushing him off the line, but when he needed to step up and make some plays, fellas, he st- he made two huge plays in this game. One was a. a yes the uh, goal line stop where he just blew up the line and then forced the early cutback. And then Jake, Justin, his brother cleaned it up. And then that play he made on that fourth down stop guys, that was, I mean, that was one of those things. What do we always say, Sean, or actually I'm gonna kick this one to Ryan. You know, one of the things we've talked about all summer on our show, Ryan was, you know, the stars got to play like stars. Right. And one of the things we haven't, we didn't see in the first couple games from the defenses is, you know, sometimes you're not playing well. Right. But that's okay. But when the game was on the line, who steps up and makes a makes a play? We didn't see that the first two games. We've seen that in recent games, and we saw that today from Jason Adamiola. That somebody needed to step up and make a stop in that game, and Jason and on that last drive just said, "Hey, 
whatever's the call, I don't know, whatever the call is, but you're not blocking me on this play. And yeah. that's what you need to be to be a great team is when the game is on the line, we saw Mayer do it. I mean, Michael Mayer is by far the best player in the field today, regardless of the team. It wasn't close. There's no other discussion. <laughs> but on defense, when a play needed to be made, Jason was the guy that stepped up today and did that. And, yeah. I mean, that's that's what you need, fellas, to win games like this. And, and that yep. won them the game because, I mean, that put the, basically put the game away. It allowed the mm-hmm. offense to then go put the game away. And then the offense responded by doing – and here's something else that encouraged me today. Ryan, actually, I'll let you speak on that because about Jason. I'm sorry. I was getting ready to move on yeah. to something else, but I was setting you up for the Jason comment. Needed him to step up. Somebody needs to step up and make a big play in crutch time, and today Jason was that dude. Well, and I, I think offensively, Brian, there's not a big question of, like, who's the guy that brings the juice, right? It's Michael Mayer, and it's a couple of the running backs. Defensively, I still have kind of been – looking for like who's the guy right that like you can count to make a big play that Mm -hmm. is going to just bring this energy to the team you know I think at times it could be Isaiah Foskey I think at times it could be Cam Hart when he makes a big play I think at times it could be Brandon Joseph but I think consistently when Jason Adam Malone is playing good football I think it's him man like I think that he's the de facto leader on this defense I really do I think that he's the guy that brings the juice like you saw just the energy that was just kind of pumped into the the sideline, into the defense when Jason was made, able to make a couple plays. So good for Jason. It's it's you know it's we've needed it more over the first few games that we've gotten, but in this game he came to play, and I think that it really did have kind of an infectious feeling to it at times during, during especially in the biggest moments, obviously for the plays he made. Sean, I I, I want to ask you this. I thought for the first two and a half games of the year, Jason was inconsistent. At times he was, he was good. At times he wasn't. Second half of the Cal game, he played really well, and I think he's been really playing very well since. I mean, I, I thought he was very good against Carolina, and I thought he was very good tonight for the most part. I think the light kind of went on for him. Uh, I think in the second half of that Cal game, and and I think he. I mean, he's been he's been what we hoped he would be the last couple games, and especially especially today. You know, it's funny because on that fourth down. BYU calls timeout, and if you watch, they go to the sideline, and Coach Freeman says something to Jason Adamiola. I don't know what he said, but he says something to Jason Adamiola. They come back out, and then they get the big stop. And I think on that play as well, I think Nana was Nana kind of he collapsed the end. It was one of the few the, good plays he had. He had a yeah. rough night setting the edge tonight, but he was good yeah. on that play as well. He was good on that play. And, you know, when you're a head coach, that's what you do. You go to your guys like, hey, look, we need you right here. Yeah. We need a play. I was shocked because it wasn't like it was fourth and one. It was kind of like fourth and one and a half, more closer to two. And the fact that BYU came out with their quarterback and decided to, like, depend on the run in that situation, I was really shocked, especially the formation they came out in. I thought they would try to spread them out a little bit more and maybe give themselves, you know, two options to run or pass. But it was almost like they created, going back to what you said, they put Notre Dame in a goal line situation, Mm -hmm. which Notre Dame is good at. Yes, the run. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they yes. went to like the strength of Notre Dame against the run. Right. And it's like, uh, I don't know if that was the best thing to do. I would have spread them out. 
Yeah. But I'm glad they decided to do that and went to the T for the defense. And, of course, 57 came away with the big play. That's what you need, you know, yep. on a team, any team. You need your guys to make plays, especially in the fourth quarter. And they did what they had to do. And then the offense was able, like Vince said, look, yeah, it was two big runs late, but that's that's impressive. When right. teams know you, that's what yep. you're trying to do. Yeah. And, and Vince, that came from leaning on them because, again, I didn't love the game plan. I didn't love the running strategy, but I thought the offensive line played hard. Even when they I weren't agree. necessarily moving their feet, they played hard. And that's what a good offensive line is supposed to do is you wear them down, you wear exactly. them down, you wear them down, and, and they did. boom. And they did that. They wore them down, wore them down. And and that was you – know, let's let's talk about that big play for for uh, Estime, right? The, the big one at the end. He kind of hit the middle of the line and then bounced it outside. I mean, the, the defensive line and the, the linebackers for BYU, they just kind of stalemated it. You yeah. know what I mean? They, they weren't really going at it. They weren't they – kept the body on a body, though, man. They just kind of stalemated it. And then Notre Dame kind of just – stalemated him back and estimate was able to bounce that. And so that was, that play was supposed to go up the middle, but he was able to bounce it and make a big play out of it. And somebody in the chat said, I, sometime I said that estimate isn't a big play back. I don't even know why I would ever say that, but estimate. Uh, you, you said it, Vince, you said it. <laughs> I, <heard> it. <laughs> I was sharing with them the conversation. No, I don't know that you've ever said that. I was sharing with them a conversation I had with somebody and maybe they thought that you were the person that said that a friend of mine this week. And it wasn't Vince that said he didn't think Estime was a big play back. And I asked him, well, why do you think that? He goes, well, you know, he hasn't ripped off any big runs. And, and I said, well, do you think Chris Tyree is a big play back? And he's like, well, yeah. I mean, Chris Tyree has two 90-yard-plus touchdowns in his career, right? He's like, well, yeah. I said, well, what was the big plays Chris Tyree's made this year? And I was like, well, big plays come from blocking. Yep. And from a scheme, a, a defense that that doesn't put nine in the box the entire right. time post-snap. <laughs> you know, it's like – Unless you're Kyron Williams against North Carolina. But but what we saw in this game, though, guys, is that they made enough plays up the seam on offense that it was harder for the BYU safeties to kind of come down at times in the second half. And that's what I kind of got frustrated by the the run scheme was, you know, you you missed on some opportunities to really gash them with the run. Mm -hmm. But what I like about it is, look – in Tommy Reese's defense, right? Like, let's just take away – let's pretend the first two games didn't happen. And let's say that Notre Dame just went to 3-0 on the season, right? And I'm just I'm just trying to make a, a point here. You had two really good, well-called – well-designed and well-called games against Cal and Carolina, right? He didn't have a well-called game today. But coaches are going to have bad games too, fellas. Absolutely. You know what I mean? For sure. And, and what what you need is is you need in those instances you need your players to step up and say hey coach I don't really care what you call we got this and end of the day guys I think we saw that we saw that on offense really for a lot of the game and we saw that on defense when it mattered most it's like hey coach I don't really care what you call here but I'm gonna make this play so just mm-hmm. maybe call something that gives me a chance to make this play you know and I and that's why Notre Dame just beat the number 16 team in the country and mm-hmm. and really controlled the action I got I'm not gonna lie I got a little nervous at the end. I'm not gonna lie, I did sure. when when they couldn't put him away, but but they controlled the action for majority of the game and 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 got the win. So it, it was a it was a good win, fellas. Anything you guys would like to add before we move on to uh, answering the super chats? And I I do have a couple comments I want to make about some other things before we go to the super chat as oh, well. Anything else that you guys want to discuss? Okay, I'm gonna say something else. You know what else made this a great day? Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame goes away from home. Say it. 
and uh and, and gets a W over a ranked opponent. Say it. And uh looked good doing so. And LSU got curb stomped today. Another top 10 game and another blowout by your boy BK. And they just have to coach better. That's what he, he they just have to coach better, Brian. Started the day off wonderfully well, fellas. It really did. Uh, you know, it's like we tried. I keep saying this. I'm going to say it again. I tried to warn you. Tried to warn you. <laughs> you didn't want to listen. Y'all didn't want to listen. Is that petty? Heck yes. You know what? Absolutely. I don't care because it's also truth. It's also truth. So Notre Dame beats a ranked opponent, you know. And Brian Kelly got blown out. Right. And and the special teams were they got out coached. Yes, not, they did. Not including him though. No, no, no. But they got out, their assistants got out coached. Yes. Yes. He takes no responsibility whatsoever. No. No. Although his <laughs> yes. his special teams coordinator needs to take a lot of blame for this too. <laughs> Just saying. No. Hold on. I was told on good authority <laughs> on a show I was on this offseason <laughs> that they have a great special teams coach at LSU. Well, maybe they used uh, to. So I'm just saying. And then did anyone else enjoy watching Oklahoma get beat 49 to nothing? I, I mean, wonder what that recruiting pitch is going to be like to the uh, some Notre Dame commits now. If like, uh, dude, you know, I can't believe they, they didn't score. That was bad. Like, at all. Like zero. Hey, dude, you, Sean, they started running the Wildcat, dude. It was that bad. <laughs> Well, I was watching the game, and I told Brian earlier when I saw them run the Wildcat and run it down Texas' throat, get to like the fifteen-yard line, and then try a pop pass from the Wildcat. I'm like, okay. what was that? I'm like, okay. Texas hadn't stopped it all drive, Sean. <laughs> they hadn't like, stopped it all drive. I'm done. I'm like, that's enough. Oh, <laughs> I've seen enough. That was really bad. Yeah, that was like Ryan. You made a point when we previewed this game yesterday. Like you had said, like you know, you thought Texas could blow them out, but you thought it would be closer because it was a rivalry game. Yep. That team showed up today with no soul. It's not even that Texas took their soul; they didn't have one to begin with. Mm-hmm. It was bad, and was that, really that bad. that's where you start getting really nervous for uh, for Brett Venables too, Brian, because it's like you know, it, at least you want to see some fight, right? Because yeah. he's still getting the guys to buy in, right? And then it's like. They showed up and looked like that, man, in a rivalry game in the Red River, whatever they call it now, showdown, shootout. The Red whatever. River shootout, man. On Irish Breakdown, it's the Red River shootout, okay? I, I, I grew up I'm with the Red River rivalry. That's I what I grew up with, too. Yeah. No, you didn't, Vince. We're the same age. You just well, don't remember it. I always call it the Red River rivalry because I can never say it. And it always just like, blah, 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 blah. So, but hey, I'm all about not being politically correct. So if we're gonna Wait, call what you shootout, say it was like, yeah, yeah, what, what did that? What, what was that noise like? I, I, I think you, I, I lost you for a second. There. I didn't I'm not repeating you that. You can just push <laughs> rewind twenty seconds and hear it again. Uh, don't Vince, don't worry. We have it on film. So it's <laughs> all right. You can live it in for me. How many more conference wins are on their schedule, though? Let's let's keep it real. They haven't faced Baylor yet. They haven't faced Kansas yet. They haven't faced Oklahoma State yet. Yeah. Sean, you and I you and I were talking about this, and I'm, I'm going to read it to you. This is what they have left. Home against Kansas, at Iowa State, home against Baylor, at West Virginia, home against Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech. I see one win yeah. in there for sure. Yeah. Maybe. 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 Which one would that be? West Virginia. Mm, at West Virginia? I don't know. I mean, West yeah. Virginia is a really weird team. They look really good one game, and then okay. they look like garbage the next. Fair enough. They're a strange can we, team. Can we, we talk about how bad? 
Can we Go talk ahead. about how bad the Big Ten is outside of Ohio State? It's a yes. pretty bad conference Ooh, this year. Yes, rough. It really it's is. Really Illinois, baby, the Fighting Illini. Did they right. beat the Iowa? Al- the, the alma mater of uh, of uh, Sean Davis. They got a. You didn't watch line, the man. game, Ryan. Devito got I, I hurt. Saw, I saw it was like nine to six. I didn't know who won. Yeah, though. and we had to suffer through Sikowski. Like oh, I, I did see he was in the game. I didn't know why, but yeah. I remember I watching his film as a junior, and I'm thinking, this guy has a phenomenal arm. And then I realized he has no clue that's, how to read a defense. That, at that's all. Ruck, that's Rucker's great, Arthur Sikowski. <laughs> bad. <laughs> The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.